<clears throat> I sound a little bit sick. I don't know if I mentioned that. You do sound a little sick. I don't, I don't sound sick in my head until I put the cans on. We call them cans. Yeah, that's hmm. the official name for it. Mm-hmm. I got those Marco headphones. The M, the uh, M Marcos. Let me look. I've got, I can't hear you right now because I'm looking at the Sennheiser HD 280 Pro 64 Omega, which I guess means, is that ohms? Is that resistance? I got 64 Omegas. Is that enough? You are the Alpha and the Omega. Okay. Now, does that, should I get more of the Omega 3s or 6s? How does that work? <laughs> you want the, well, for you, for mm-hmm. you, I think I say the 6s, but. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. <sighs> I sound a little sick, don't I? You do. You sound like you're, something's not, not right yeah. for you. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I was sneezing a lot and I thought it was allergies. You know, it might be allergies. It could oh, be I was going to say, it could just be allergies. I'm going to try not to sniff that. People don't like that. Hang on a second. Let me, uh, let me, hang on, let me fix something yeah, here. We'll clear things out uh, if you need to. Uh, uh, this isn't the show, right? This is not the show. No, we'll edit this out. Okay. You think this is what people tune in for? This part? Yes. Okay. <sighs> How's it going? Well, everything seems uh, pretty good today. How about you? I'm doing well. I think I sound a little sick. But uh, I'm doing really well. I enjoyed the uh, the uh, Money Boy show. Money, I enjoyed yeah. that. <laughs> you're yeah. referring to Build and Analyze with Marco Arment. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's, you know, can I just say it's a pity that I have to say that at all? Isn't that a pity? That People you have to say... Stream. Yeah, exactly. People should just leave the stream running, if you know what I'm saying, all day long. Yeah. 247, 24 slash 7, backslash 7, cleric. And then all day long, you enjoy either hold music or, uh, you know... Or, uh, you know, Marco or, or, or just whatever's on. No, whatever comes on. We're going to be automating more of that. Oh, is that right? You should, you should run infomercials in those spots. I could. I'm just saying. A little uh, revenue stream. I'm all about uh, infomercials. Good week. Big week so far. Oh, huge week. We've got to mention one thing at the top of the show because this is uh, the filthy lucre portion of the show. And, and uh, uh, that's the shirts. We've got to talk about the shirts real quick. Oh, yeah, the shirts. Oh, that's what I was going to ask you. I was just going to ask you, uh, that was my third bullet, because you, you pushed me to stop our pre-call, even though I, I had one more thing to say. How, okay. how are we doing? Are we selling some shirts? People buying shirts? Let's see. We've had... Oh, you don't want to say a number. Do you say a number? You don't want to say? On the air? Sure. Say it. No, we don't success, have to say, success, say success, anything. Success. Say it. Say it out loud. No, I'm not going to go into any details. Here's the thing. It. You know, I realize you got to, you got you know, uh, you gotta, uh, say it. If you're going to play it, you got to say it. You got to say it to play it. You got to be in to win. You got a lottery to schmottery. Hmm. Uh, it's at, uh, what is it at? Uh, Shop. I, I think I sound a little sick. I sound you a little do. sick, don't I? Mm-hmm. Do, you think I, do you think I might be a little goofy? Yes. I read a lot of X-Men last night till kind of late. How late and is so, late to you? Like after midnight. Because you know how it is. Now, let me ask you, not to get personal here, and I want to come back to X-Men, and I want to come back to shirts. Uh, well, first of all, what's the, uh, what's the URL for that? Is it shop? shop it's shop.5x5.tv, and you can go for a limited time. You can buy a lovely, uh, lovely shirt with Merlin Mann's increasingly old. The longer you wait to buy, the older the avatar gets. Yeah. So, and, and eventually there's little scars that start to appear on it. Uh, anyway. The, oh, yeah, and I'll, I'll probably get one of those Ted Kennedy Jim uh, Blossom noses. Because of my excessive drinking, I'll probably yeah. I'll, I'll get one of those uh, big puffy <laughs> where it looks a little bit like a like a pink loofah. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Could you ask uh, Jordash to to maybe work on one of those? Yeah, okay. see what he can put together. We would like you to go in your internet browser on your home computer. Please go to shop.fiveby5.tv and please buy a shirt. 
possibly buy two shirts. You understand? Remember what Harry Monkhorst says. Harry Monkhorst says you have to ask people to do things. We would be very honored if you consider this. It's a beautiful uh, shirt. And now why am I telling you this? I'm, just, I'm telling you this because we need to make sure we don't lose money on this deal. But we also need to uh, tell you because it's not going to be around forever. Is that accurate, Dan? Yeah. Will in it fact, it's forever? almost it's almost gone right now, really. What is today? Oh, you ain't got long, guys. You got uh, 10 days American. Uh, August 10th. Friday, August 10th will be the last day to get the That's Fine from Merlin Short. Or... You know, let's not let's not uh, diminish this. The very beautiful five by five shirt in maroon. You call it maroon? Yeah, that's the, that's I think the American Apparel's color f- code. Well, that's pretty maroon. A you lot of people have ordered. A lot of people. Most people, it seems, they come in. Mm-hmm. Most people ordering this are American. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. All so. you can do is do a drop a little demo. Let's hear some demo. Hi, I'm from America, and I live here in the country. <laughs> Is that what you mean, like that? <laughs> no, I want to hear a little bit. And again, please don't mention Joel Hausman on the air. That's, that's, you, know, you shouldn't mention what he's buying. Well, yeah. I, I, it was a testament to how the, the, we, bear, we didn't even really even announce it, and his order had already come in. He was the very first person to order. See, why are you, why are you even saying that? Can I read his so, credit card number? Yeah, absolutely. Just the last four digits, please. Okay. I'll send you the last four digits of your soch. So the guy at the guidance, the guidance, or the, uh, you know, you go to the place where you get your financial aid and stuff. What's that called? Financial aid office. Yeah. And you'd always say, uh, what's your soch? <laughs> and I'd say, I guess, average. <laughs> I mean, I try to get out when I can. Right. It's not as good a, as it could kind be. Of fixed, kind of a fixed budget because my financial aid hasn't arrived yet. Yeah. What's your soch? Anyway, most people are American, and the way that I know that just yeah, by I totally agree, I just totally by agree. <laughs> just by glancing at this, is that I can see that that you know, you you can see the cost of the order is a certain level if it's in the United States because of shipping, and if it's outside of the United States, the shipping is a little more. And then there are a lot of people who have ordered two shirts, a lot of people who have bought both the five by five and the Merlin Man face shirt. <laughs> so just something to note. This is our first, I mean, I, I don't our think first I've show. ever, I've had shirts uh, with, with, with parts of my body on it. I think Bacon, Bacon Ray had, yeah, Bacon Ray, we definitely had shirts. Each of the members of the band drew a different member of the band and yeah. we made up four different shirts, like the Kiss Solo records that didn't sell. And, uh, and in this case, boy, this is probably, I'm just thinking, this is my, our first cut of this, Dan. You've done this before. This is my first time in the, the first cut is shirt. the deepest. That's right. That was, uh, was that Nazareth? No. Lauren Nero? Who wrote that? Who am I thinking of? I don't Lauren know. Patrick. What's her name? Hmm? I think you're thinking of Cheryl Crow. Fiddled, she fiddled while, uh, while Rome burned. Cheryl Crow. I'm thinking of the Sopranos. Hmm. <laughs> Boy, Cheryl Crow. <sighs> Quite a she story. Gets, yeah. She gets under my skin like a sand flea. Really? I Just, love her. I think she's great. Compared to what? She's like, she's like music. music. <laughs> wow. I could listen to while waiting for a taco. And apart from that, I think I would just, I would go straight to rage. Oh, I love her rage. stuff. She's great. I'm not made of steel. I am made of rage. That's what Colossus says. Let's come know. back to X-Men. Anyway, we want you to go and buy this shirt if you want it, if you'd like it. It would make us feel really good. And you know what's going to happen? Here's the thing. Uh, this day is going to pass, being August 10th, which is, I mean, that we got like one more epo before, uh, before uh, that'll be the last episode. And we we'll might just close it down. We might just close it down during that episode and do it early. Yeah. And people say, what happened? We're like, well, you didn't listen to the show live, so you don't. I just, I'm sorry, out of the corner of my eye, I happened to glance at the internet and Joel Hausman has agreed that it's okay for you to read his credit card number, as you do. Oh, okay. I can do that. 
So anyway, uh, enough of that. Thank you very much. I want to make sure we didn't really mention the URL too much last time, shop.5x5.tv. Why am I telling you this? I- am I doing this to hoard this project? I am. I totally am. I really want you to buy this shirt. It would make me so happy. Not because it has my face on it, but just be, uh, partly because it has my name on it. And uh, I'm trying to get it out there. You know what I'm trying to do, Dan, really? Can I just say in two words, I want to raise awareness? Mm. <laughs> you, know I mean? you have done that. If you I raised your awareness, be honest. Oh, totally. Yeah. Every sometimes, week. Sometimes at night. Can I, I have something I'd like to raise awareness about. Yeah. Merlin is going to be doing a second show this week. <laughs> right? Yeah, and no, it's just funny. I just happened to look at my calendar and a quarter of my week is recording podcasts. Yeah. Isn't that awful? I think it's great. It's a testament to your skill. I need to get a, I need, I need to get, after I get well, I got to get a job. This is ridiculous. <laughs> you get, and, after uh, you get your mind right? <laughs> is that what you you got to spend a night in the box. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, we are on Friday. Boy, this is really good. You know what? We're going to be self-promotion the whole show. We don't do that th- that much. And by the way, if you could, please go and rate the show. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do um, our second ever edition of Kinda Critical. Yes. Kinda because, Critical uh, is, is when John Syracuse goes on vacation. Uh, and, and usually when he goes on vacation, he tries to do the show. But this time, he's going to be at sea. So he's not going to be able to record anything. Is that a programming conference? <laughs> that's Claire. a Twitter conference. No, he's uh, he's going to be gone. He won't be able to do it. And this time, I I uh, I there were I was able to put enough conditions on how we would do the show that mm-hmm. he uh, is going to allow it to go into the hypercritical stream. God, you must be exhausted. I am. Whoa, 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 whoa! We're going to actually enter the stream. Yes, that's unheard of. I know. Are you sure he understands it? No, he does. I got it in writing. You know, he doesn't like to travel. No, he doesn't. But you're going to be joining uh, me and Marco Arment, uh, and we'll be Armenti. doing an episode Armenti of uh, doing an episode of Kind of Critical. It'll be this week, the normal hypercritical time uh, of uh, Friday at I guess it's noon. Yeah, the, I think the last one was was really fun, and I, I bet this will be a goodie. We should warn people, like you said on uh, Marco's show, we should and your show, we should probably let people know we're not going to be discussing, uh, you know, bevels and, and and widgets from Mountain Lion much. So people who are tuning in for what's be, the last they two, will be shocked. two and a half hours with last Syracuse show shows two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we're all, we're halfway done. <laughs> halfway done with this line. Oh, man, that's not helping the curve. No, anyway, uh, yeah, so promotional stuff. Eight hours this week. Isn't that nuts? We're doing two Roderick on the lines this week. And uh, yeah, we just recorded New York Nice today. Anything else? Let's see. Um, I think that's pretty much it. Anything else you want to promote while we're on the air, Dan? No. This is funny. If anybody uh, is tuning in for the first time, this is somewhat unusual, by which I mean totally unusual. Anyway, please buy this shirt if you like it. I, I bet it'll be nice. I bought one. I bought one. Yeah, I saw that you bought one. I was looking at oh, that. Come and on, why Dan, would you why buy are you one? Looking at that stuff for that's not right. I have a flag set up for to find your name and things. Man, 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 man. I heard I look really old on a retina display. <laughs> when you zoom on, on the zoom in on the full size art, you can really get in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You do. Sometimes you know what you know what Nietzsche says. If you stare into Merlin's wrinkles long enough, <laughs> they stare back at they you. They stare back. It's like looking into the abyss. I think he said it in German. Yeah. Can't trust those Germans. Um, so uh so uh you're doing you're doing all right. You sound good. You sound good. Now does your son, if I may say I don't want we'll cut this out, but does your son uh, it's your show, does your son still wake up in the pre six o'clock uh time? That well it depends. Um it depends. Like Whether he's he has him? a well he has <laughs> he has a cold now again, and oh, no. yeah he's he well he's going to camp 
And the camp, it's not like a dedicated like six-week program or something. There's different kids every week. So every week he's exposed to an entirely new and different set. He is like one of the very few kids who are there for like the whole run. Where otherwise, but there's like three, four, five new kids at the minimum every new week coming in with their own different kind of cold that he's <sighs> getting. So it's not like a regular school where they're like in a in in a school and they they they're sort of like oh there's a cold going around. Well, the, every week there's a cold going around. So he got another cold. So now he wakes up in the middle of the night uh, coughing, and you, you know you gotta you help him because sometimes it can be bad. So then. Sometimes he'll sleep a little later, but that, that's a very roundabout way of saying he he usually sleeps until between six thirty and seven. Now this is new. It used to be back in the day. Yeah, it was it was about forty five minutes before that. So this is an improvement. Yeah, today it's probably like uh, well, excluding the time during the abortive book writing, this is probably about the fourth time ever I was up before my daughter. I think in recent in the last year or so. Oh, see, I I'm I I have to wake up before him. Because I need I need some kind of peace. I need a little bit of solace before the onslaught of the day. So if if he wakes up, if I know he's going to be up at six thirty, I've got to be up five thirty. If he's waking up at five, I got to be up four thirty. That's how it works. The idea of waking up after him, and uh, no, oh, no, yeah. <laughs> you got no time to warm up your engine. Nothing. Yeah, I got yeah. I got to prepare mentally, prepare and ready, steal myself for for what will become the day. We like to ease into the day with a couple episodes of the Avengers because I'm the father of the year. That is actually a fun way to do it. We don't watch TV. Do you watch that program? No. Yeah, neither do I. I don't own a TV. <laughs> we, uh, we read great books. This is <laughs> right. Daddy. He's, you're reading The Hobbit aloud to him for the she third says, time. Daddy, is that everything by Jane Austen? And I said, <laughs> as far as we know, honey, as far as we know. <laughs> she said, isn't there anything bigger? You remember can when this show is about Dost- helping Dost- people? Can we read Dostoevsky? And I said, honey, that's not how you pronounce it. I don't <laughs> think it's correct. I think it's Nabokov. Nice. She said, that's not funny. You know, he's very tall, Nabokov. You know, he wrote on index cards. Did you know that about Nabokov? I don't Nabokov? know. I didn't know that. That explains Ball. a lot to me. Yeah, yeah. There's an awesome photo on, uh, you know, when Life Magazine put up all those photos on the Google image. There's a great photo of him. I think he might have been working on Lolita. And he, he's writing on index cards and he has one of those really long, like, Things people used to keep index cards in, like those green modeled boxes, you know. I have Anyways, one of those. Cool. Yeah, I, I I got one in my uh, my wish list on Amazon. Oh my god, I didn't realize till today my Amazon wish list didn't have an address associated with it. Can you believe that? Somebody tried to buy me a Phoenix and I didn't have an address, so I put it in. So anyway, if you'd like to buy a shirt, you'd like to buy me a Phoenix. Dan, I just added a lot of X Men to my to my Amazon. Oh, nice. Do you know there's a Tumblr about my Amazon wish list? Oh no, I didn't know that. It's pretty cool. Okay. Um. I had an idea for something to talk about at minute 14. Oh, no, 14 of, of the official. Yeah. Oh, that's not too bad. So we only talked for 12 minutes. Okay. Huh. All right. Um, yeah. Wish list Tumblr. I'm not, I'm not going to buy. I'm not going to Merlin man's wish list. Merlin man wish list. Of Tumblr. Oh, look at that one. Look what's up right now. Check this out. Where are you over here? Look at that. Look at that. Look what's on deck right now. See, I got the dark phoenix. I don't have the regular phoenix yet. Oh, okay. Priority is high. It sure is. There was a thing I read. And I, I apologize <laughs> that I do not remember uh, he or she from whom I found this. But uh, I found this thing that an article written by Jad Abumrad that uh, just blew me out of the water. And uh, I sent you the article. Have you had an opportunity to look at the article? I did, yes. It was a really good article. Well, it's more of yeah. an interview. He wrote it. 
Yeah, but I mean, it was an interview style. Oh, the, you know well, what I'm saying with the Q and A in the beginning, and then the. Well, yeah, he's describing. He's describing. Anyway, let's let's explain what this is in a little bit of quick background. So, if you go to my toot stream on the Twitter. Uh, verse, uh, you can see a link to this. It's on transom.org, which is one of these uh, squirrely public radio sites. Um, and uh, <laughs> there's a lot of squirrely public radio sites. Anyway, yeah. uh, so you can go find this. It's uh, transom.org, and then they don't have uh, friendly URLs. Anyway, Google Jad Abumrad, like it sounds. <laughs> and the uh, name of the article What's in the is, show will be in the show notes. Yeah. The terrors and occasional virtues of not knowing what you're doing. So you're asking yourself, who is Jad Abumrad? To which I say, shame on you. Jad Abumrad is... Uh, Along with Robert Krulwich, do a, a great public radio show called Radio Lab. I think it is it is arguably uh, the best public radio show uh, of the ones that I'm aware of. Um, and it's I, I think it's I don't think they would mind someone saying. And I, again, there's a lot. Our our glasses apparently you know one of their biggest fans. It's it's along the lines of of, of this American Life in some ways. You know, this American Life was was such a special flower. There had never been a show like that that I ever heard before. And then. In the wake of that, there was this slew of kind of half-assed impersonators. And the only show that I found that, that uh, reaches and in a lot of time exceeds uh, This American Life, I think, is Radiolab. And how do you describe Radiolab? Would you call it a science show? I guess if you had to put it into a category, yes. I would say it, it is the science show, but not, not in the way that most people who haven't heard it would think of it as being a science show. Well, I'm going to have to really uh, rein myself in not to go off on a on a jag or a jad, as I like to say here. But um, <laughs> but you know, I, I really believe that that uh, if you're listening to the radio or listening to any show, and this is a, this is a secret. You ready for this? Uh, everything good that you listen to is mostly about people. You know, <laughs> the topic here is science, but it's it, it's so stylishly done uh, and so compellingly told. And so Radiolab, uh, they, they have kind of, you know, a topic each week. But one of the things that makes the show so distinctive is Jab, Chad Abenrod's editing of the show, which is uh, somewhere between brilliant and epilepsy inducing. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's amazing. He's a really amazing editor. And one of the things, if you go to this transom.org page, you'll see a screen grab of, uh, you say Pro Tools? Yeah, I believe that's, uh, <laughs> that's what he uses. Yeah. Yeah, this is kind of what You Look Nice Today looks like when Adam cuts it up, except it's with a lot fewer tracks. But it's amazing. Um, and if you've ever heard the show, you know what it's like. Let me suggest, if, you, if you've never listened to Radio Lab, I put this in show notes. Um, the first, I, I don't know if this is the best episode or anything, but the first one that really got me um, was called... Let me go check the notes for this. So anyway, it's a weekly show. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm a little sick and I shouldn't try to do two things at once. My favorite episode, if you want to Google for this, and this also will be in show notes. Dan, where do people find show notes, if you don't mind saying? They can go to 5by5.tv slash B for boy, 2 for the number, W for women, slash 78. That's this episode's mm-hmm. special show notes. I don't, I don't, I, this is probably the first one I ever heard, which is good because it really grabbed me. And uh, it's a kind of, I think, a pseudo-famous episode of Radio Lab amongst the fans, which is called Behave So Strangely. Mm-hmm. Um. And it opens, I won't spoil the, the, the joke for you, but it's really, uh, it's a great episode. So anyway, it's the show that um, I think has really caught on with a lot of people. It's, it's, it would be unfair and a little bit, uh, a little weak to say, oh, it's like This American Life. I mean, it is. It's like This American Life in the same sense that, you know, uh, the Beatles and, and Led Zeppelin are like, you know, compared to like a Marble Column or a Big Mac. I mean, they're really outstanding shows on what can sometimes be a, you know, 
They're two of the best shows on public radio. I'm not going to be me. I'm not going to be this guy anymore. You understand, Dan? I'm going to quit making fun of public radio. You are understand? really mean. I'm really mean to public radio right now. You know why? Because I'm a lapsed fan. I'm pained. I'm hurt. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like Magneto. I, got you a lot are of a lot. I think of you as, as Magneto. Mm, you wanted that chocolate so much. I know. Yeah. Uh, and this show has become, uh, I guess, popular. I mean, it's certainly very well known. It's very um, well popular. It is, it's a phenomenon. I mean, there's, it's, it's, in, it's, it's a whole thing. It's a movement. Right. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, I'm certain now <laughs> in the wake of its success, you're likely to see lots, lots more people trying to copy it, but it's a very distinctive sound. And the relationship between, um, uh, Jad and Robert is, is really, uh, it's, 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 I assume they're really good pals. If they're not, it's amazing because they sound very close, but they, I think by design, represent kind of different poles in some ways. Like Jad Avonrod frequently is taking the point of view of the kind of, I don't know, if you like younger, techier, more yeah. like comfortable with technology. And Robert Crowell, which is always playing his foil as this humanist, right? You know, and the humanist course, the truth- dad. Yeah. And Robert Crowell, I mean, to his credit, he doesn't just show up and like sit in a chair. He is. Robert Crowich is very, very gifted at taking a very complex idea and, and making it easy enough to understand without making it stupid and training it. Right. Without, and there's no dumbing names. down. And that's what's great about, about this show is they really don't – it's not like we take a difficult scientific subject, make it interesting by talking about people, and then make it simple for you to understand. It's not like that at all. It's, <laughs> right. it, it, they keep, that would be – that's a show called All Things Considered. Yeah. They keep it very – I mean, it is it is a show that does go lower level. They're not afraid to talk about or spend five or ten minutes explaining a complicated scientific topic to help you get more into the shoes of the person that it's affecting, if that makes sense. It's a great show. Absolutely. And If and, anybody uh, listens to this and isn't inspired to go out and do something great, uh, then, I mean, I don't know what to say. It, it, it's yeah. just, it's a great show. It really, it really is, and and so all of that uh, throat clearing, and in my case, sneezing. Excuse me, is uh, in the service of talking about this wonderful article, which is uh, that which is to say that he uh, Jad Abumrad recently got a uh, one of those MacArthur grants. Yeah, I, I think anybody he says they made the mistake of giving <laughs> me uh, MacArthur grants. Yeah, it must be really <laughs> annoying when people, you know, I mean, now everybody thinks, oh, he's a genius. That's fine for Jad Abumrad. He says the MacArthur Foundation recently made a terrible mistake and awarded me a fellowship, a so-called genius grant. It's yeah. a wonderful honor that comes with many benefits, but also a small curse, which is that people suddenly expect you to be smarter than you are to talk like a genius. He's a, he's a good writer, too. He absolutely is, and, and a good speaker, too. He was at MaxFunCon a few years ago, and uh, he seems like a... I, I mean, I just met him very, very quickly, but he seems like a great guy. Um, but... <laughs> In, in a nut, what he's saying in this article, which is titled The Terrors and Occasional Virtues of Not Knowing What You're Doing, uh, is that people are always, you know, now that he's a genius and now that he's quote-unquote successful, people are always asking him, like, how did Radiolab happen? And so I've noticed with him, quoting, so I've noticed with, within myself this intense gravitational pull to BS. He uses the real word because he's not a five-by-five. To pop out a neat and tidy Radiolab origin story that's filled with useful lessons. And so he proceeds to lay some of this stuff out in a way that uh, I hope is worth this uh, throat clearing because it's, there's so many things. Dan, before we were having our little pre-call, like I said, there's so much in here. I just spent an hour trying to prep for this and I, I still am not 
even quite sure where to begin, except to say, do go read this. And maybe we'll try and couple just uh, follow uh, cover just a few things in here. You know, that, there's that, there are some so things th- there there are, and uh, but I'll tell you what, there's some things that frustrated me about yeah. about reading this. It should have been a podcast. It should have been a full audio episode. Well, I kept thinking that the whole time. The, here's the thing: is is the, about well, about halfway down in this article, uh, he talks about how they how they kind of meet and, and talk about things and throw things away and figure out what was good and what wasn't, what worked and what wasn't. And he he's got he says the meetings often involve sheets like this, and there are these long. Uh, white sheets of paper. Some of them are square. Some of them are, are multiple ones taped together. So and and they're all taped up to the wall. It's like a brainstorming. It's like a brainstorming thing. And there's post-it notes of different colors with little green dot. Well, lots of different color dot stickers on them. And he doesn't really explain what a lot of that means. Like what their system is, and and I be I would love to be a fly on the yeah. wall in one of those meetings. You know what I'm saying? Well, uh, and I'd Abramon, like to, I'd like to get behind that. Yes. Well, number two, uh, uh, Jed Emerald is a great editor. I mean, so he probably knew what to leave out of this. But number one, I will take a guess. I will take a guess that probably I'm guessing that maybe the colors of the post-it notes probably don't mean much because it's probably just a bunch of people writing things down. I could be wrong, and I bet the green dots are either going to be through lines or something somebody voted for. That would be my guess. So you I think could the, be the, there's them. votes. The green dots uh, are votes. But let's, let's explain what this is. So yeah. he's, he's here talking about like how Radiolab happened. And like a, he's a great storyteller and he's a great editor, right? So keep that in mind. But um, in a nut, uh, just to get to a couple of the high points, he, you know, to, the overview of this that I would give is that he had no idea what this was. He got asked to do this show. He was terrified. He thought through a lot of things about what, like who he should sound like, what, it should, what kind of show should it be, so on and so forth. He had uh, made a bunch of stuff for a while. He had to fill three hours a week, as he says here. And he came up with a lot of stuff that in retrospect, he's frankly kind of embarrassed about. Wasn't really sure where the show was going. It kept kept going. There wasn't really a budget for it. You, you know, there were weeks when he wasn't getting paid, but he kept going until he finally got what he describes here as a uh, what do you call it? The uh, pointing arrow. Like something comes along and shows him a direction to something. We'll come back to that in a minute. Um, but 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 he figured out through meeting Crowich and seeing and accidentally kind of landing on this this uh, certain kind of sound editing, like what, what the show kind of wanted to be. I'll come back to parts of this. I just want to get the gloss done. And then he talks about uh, realizing that this show is, uh, what is it? Uh, Ira Glass calls it uh, new aesthetic in public radio. Um, and so, so importantly, he's saying, you know, we've gotten to this point, but we have to keep changing. How do we keep changing? And so the whole second section is how do you recognize change and some steps for that and so on and so forth, and then trying to figure out what to do next. So this is an awful lot to cover. I, we can't get through it all, but um, I, I wanted to at least call out a couple quick things that are straight up our alley. If nothing else, apart from buying a t-shirt, hopefully this episode will take you to Radiolab <laughs> and to this article. Right. Um, one of the first sections that grabbed me, may, may I continue? Please do. Go ahead. No, we should come back to this. Maybe we, maybe we can do a close reading of his uh, post-it notes and figure it out. Okay. He's talking about, um, what is, uh, is Michael, the, uh, is he the, um, the manager at WNYC or the uh, program director? <clears throat> and so he's talking to this guy. He's like, hey, you want to go do this show? You want to try something? And at this point, they're on this AM radio band. Like you have to, you can barely like stand outside the building and barely get this. It's, it's so low wattage. But uh, there's this term that they talk about. So he's interviewing his old program director, director to go back and get his version on how things started. And Jed says, uh, so what do you remember about the beginning? 
And Michael says, what do you mean? Like how we got on the air? And Jess says, well, about, you know, if you take a step back, uh, what sticks in your mind the most? And the program director says, gut churn, gut churn, like years and years of being sick to my stomach. <laughs> and Chad Evanrod says, yeah, totally. Um, so this thing started out, all right? Now today, I think anybody, uh, if this is your first time hearing about it, I, I hope you'll enjoy uh, Radio Lab. But for a lot of people out there, I imagine people who aspire to be in public radio would look at something like Radio Lab and say, wow, it's, it's, very, it's a very popular, well-loved show. It's a critically acclaimed show. And the guy who made it just got a goddamn genius grant. No, oh, that's fine for Jad Abaron, right? Well, he started out feeling incredibly sick to his stomach <laughs> all the time because he, he just he had no idea where it was going. And for, for reasons that, what are we in, like our 190th episode, whatever it is? Oh, 78. Like, okay, close enough. Oh, ours or his? Ours. All right. But boy, don't, doesn't that come up a lot for us? Like A, I have no idea where this is going and B, I'm not sure I can tolerate not knowing for another second. Yeah. I mean, in, in, we talked about this last week and talking about motivation, just that feeling. And, you know, again, not to get too Buddhist-y, but like to have that sense of unease where you feel like you're, you're really on the bubble about something and it, it, it could go a million ways and most of them are wrong. And you get into that feedback loop, you know, the gut churn. Gut churn is such a great term for that. And then he goes on to say, uh, he goes on to do a little bit of, you know, <laughs> his own reporting. And, you know, remember that one time in the show we talked about, like, when you're feeling scared in one of our fear episodes? Yeah. What, what uh, is it? Well, all uh, of our episodes are kind about of about fear. Fear, fear and t-shirts, Josh. <laughs> um, but that, that sense of, like, you're, what is it you, uh, what is it you, um, you know, you, <laughs> I forget what the term was, but it's like scream, poop, and run. Yeah. You know, but it is true. I mean, that gut churn, it turns out, is, and by the way, they do have Jonah Lehrer on a lot. I'm not going to hold that against him, except I kind of hold it against him. But uh, no, he's fine. Jonah Lehrer is great, turns out. Um, turns out over, ne never mind. <laughs> gut, gut churn, because your stomach is saying, hey, your whole body is going, look, let's shut this thing down, right? We got we to gotta do everything we can to be ready to tear ass out of here. And that's that feeling you get of, of, that anxiety that just wells up inside of you. And, and, and so why am I beating this to death? Because, you know, everybody could look at, look at this program, look at Chad Abramrod and Robert Carlwich and say, wow, you guys really landed on third. You know, we talked a few episodes ago about that whole sense of like, you know, noticing the successes without ever noticing the failures that got you there. And I just think that's so instructive to know how much he had no idea where it was going and that it wasn't making him happy. It wasn't something where he was feeling creative as a result of that. He was feeling like, what am I going to push out this week? You know, what, what, <laughs> I got to grab the shovel and make something this week. Does that, does that sound right? No, it totally does. And I, that it becomes, you know, for somebody like Jad, where you can just tell that every single one of these episodes is, I mean, you can't, he does all the editing. I mean, this is, this is him sitting in front of Pro Tools doing this editing it's not like he sits down in the book all right let's record something good and then uh, you make you make it sound good over there i mean this is him you know right. he is recording it when they go out and do an interview or when they record somebody's interview he's splicing it in he's finding you know the sound bites he's that if, if you've ever said and i know you have but if our listeners have ever spent any time editing with whether it's with pro tools or logic or garage band or whatever mm -hmm. that you know that this this takes tons and tons and tons of time to get something exactly the way you want it. The way that, and all you have to do is just listen to the intro of Radio Lab, mm -hmm. and 
I mean, the whole show is edited with that kind of precision. You you don't you do this either because it's a labor of love or because you're absolutely terrified that you want you're going to put something. Well, out yeah, that's you, don't, awful. you don't get a lot of like forty five second music beds right. and slightly edited um, dialogue. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, Ira Glass has talked about you know there's a actually a comic book about how they make this American life, and he's talked about it at length. And uh, and actually, some of my favorite interviews on creativity, Ira Glass talked about this. But going in and just slicing out little bits of ums and ahs and fixing the amount of space. If you want a lesson in this, go listen to that Mike Daisy episode oh, yeah. of This American Life. For some of the most, like, it was so difficult to listen to just because of the amount of silence that he left in, and that silence is so meaningful. Same here. I mean, but to the, like the tenth power. And and just as a side note here, I don't want to get this wrong. But before choosing radio as a career, Abumrad composed film scores, reported and produced documentaries. But here's the thing. I mean, I think from a certain standpoint, his, his, his background, it sounds like, is as heavily in or, or more heavily maybe in, in this editing than it is strictly in storytelling. Yeah. It's not like he went to college and said, how do I learn how to tell great stories about science? <laughs> right. right. I, I would imagine that about the time what became Radiolab started, I wonder if he would have considered himself probably more of... I'm guessing he probably would have considered himself more of an editor, just guessing here. But think about that for a second. Think about how many of us, again, start out with a certain set of skills going, I'm completely unqualified to do anything with this, right? But, but how many people, but again, Ira Glass used to be a reporter for, I think, for All Things Considered. He did a whole bunch of different things. But, you know, they understand that process of editing. And, and isn't that an interesting thing? It wasn't somebody who started out going like, oh, I studied folklore at uh, Tufts and like so now I want to get a public radio show no it came the other way around it was somebody who understood the medium uh, for, <laughs> pretty close to the metal if you like and then was able uh, to have that grow but think you know you start out with from that point of view and it, it's not like you're going to go oh okay, I've done this a thousand times yeah. he hadn't done it a thousand times no. he'd edited lots of things but in, in, in one wonderful section of this he goes through uh, an internal monologue that sounds a lot like a lot of internal monologues I've had we talked a couple of weeks ago about obsessing over the front end rather than, than kind of what the thing is that you're trying to make. What kind of host should I be? Should I be like Eric Glass, like Joe Frank, Robert Siegel? Am I a journalist? Should I be chatty and personal? How personal is too personal? What stories are my stories? What music is my music? He thought and thought and thought, right? You get that spinning around. And, and in retrospect, to my mind, again, anybody who's listened to Radio Lab, you go like, oh, is, is he more like Robert Siegel or Ira Glass or is he, what kind of music is his music? In retrospect, that's, it seems so silly that he ever thought those thoughts in, in a certain sense. When you yeah. listen to how polished that final thing is, don't you find it kind of encouraging that Jed Abramont sat around and went, what should I sound like on this show? <laughs> Instead of understanding that in some ways, what he did with his fingers and Pro Tools was one, of, was one of the characters on the show. Yeah. Who would have thought of that? Like, oh, the way I edit this is going to define the way that these stories are told. I think do they could do a show about what fairy tales or iced tea, and I think it would still be fantastic. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter that it's just strictly science. You know, it helps a lot to have people like Oliver Sacks on. <laughs> He's a pretty smart guy. But I think that's super important because the gut churn that you feel in a situation like that can also come straight out of I feel really incompetent to be doing the most important part of this. Because in your head, the most important part of that is is well, for you, it might be, hey, I want to sound like Chad Abramrod. But for Chad Abramrod was, I don't even know who I should sound like. But it, it, it isn't until you've gotten through that process and reached, we'll talk about in a, in a second, these, these pointing arrows, as he calls it. But until you've gotten to the point where you understand something about the direction of it, you know, you realize how much scaffolding you were building before you ever put a brick in place. 
I, I don't want to speak for him, but I know this is true for me. I can make scaffolding all day long and never grab a hammer. And I, I think it's true for a lot of people. Um, but then once that, once you know what kind of house you're making, you know how much scaffolding you're going to need right. until eventually you don't need it at all and you just go live in the house. That's kind of a silly metaphor, but it sort of works. Um, and I, he's got a whole bunch of, it would have been so great if this had been done as an actual full audio podcast. They have little bits that you can download and listen to, but, uh, uh, you know, keep going or do you want to do a, we do a little bit more, do a little bit more oh, before, before we talk about something oh. I like. Yeah, whatever. I mean, it's your show. You can do whatever yeah, it you is want. your show. It's a good point. He reaches this one point, though, um, where he says here, uh, Ellen Horn and I stayed up till dawn playing around with the sound of radio static. And then they came up with these little program IDs, which I, I listened to uh, listen to them real quick. I think the program IDs are, are may still be in the opening to the show, at least one of them. It's a very familiar sound, that kind of erratic, sliced up sound with static and yeah. kind of like stuttering voice. Yeah. And he says here, I'm quoting, I cannot tell you why that collection of noises was important, but it was the first thing I'd heard that I was like, hey, that's not bad. I think I might hear myself in there somewhere. Uh. It was like being lost in the dark and then an arrow appears, a pointing arrow placed there by your future self that says, follow me. So. I love that. It's, what do you say? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, and the thing is, when you're sitting there at the front end of that with the gut churning, uh, y- you can't even imagine that there will ever be an arrow. Right. Right. And, and, and what, what, what he ends up saying through a lot of this, I think what his conclusion is in some ways is that A, change is critical and B, you'll never know what the good change was until it's already happened, which is again, gut churning. But, but in retrospect, think about all the best stuff you've been able to come up with was, was a, you know, this may be true for some things. If you're designing like a stadium, you probably need to have some plans, but by and large, for most people doing knowledge work or creative work, it's the work that tells you what the work is, right? And if, and if, if doodling and experimenting and doing exercises and mind maps and that kind of stuff, if that's useful in keeping the work moving, that's great. But it's, it's so funny to me when I look back at stuff and I've said this numerous times, but some of my favorite things I've ever written, back when I considered myself a writer, some of my favorite things I've ever written started out being about something completely different. And then now that I have this language, I will, courtesy of Jed Abenrod, I will apply it. And then somehow the big pointing arrow came along. And, and I might have been, I might have started writing a whole different thing than what I thought I was going to write. And I didn't even realize the arrow was there until I was already walking in that direction. And suddenly you feel so much more competent and so much more excited in a different way because now you've got to hook into something. It isn't just a matter of like, I have to show up and keep pushing this and, and hopefully not get fired. Something happens and you get a different kind of exciting and creative anxiety when you find those arrows. But what, what he talks about, so, you know, do we get this notion of the pointing arrow? He talks about it in really in two different ways. First, he talks about, uh, where did I write this down? He's kind of talking about it first in the context of storytelling in a great parenthetical here that I think is one of the great nut graphs in the whole uh, article. He says, uh, in the idea of the idea is that in storytelling along the lines of my friend, Harry saying, like, I want you to buy this thing. <laughs> he says here, sometimes what they'll do is one of those basic ways in storytelling uh, is to use what he's called a pointing arrow or signposting right before something happens, drop in a little phrase like, and that's the moment when everything changed or that's when things got interesting. And he says, uh, we use this mercilessly in radio lab, perhaps too much. So he's talking about it in the context of storytelling. And why is it interesting in storytelling? Because you only know in retrospect where to put those signposts. And they are great at this on this show. 
you know, and, and like this American life, it'll be like a triple twist. There'll be things that happen and there's a twist. They had a piece that got uh, repurposed on, on the media a, a few weeks ago that was just mind bending. Um, I, I will find it for notes, but it was a piece that he did, that he and Krolwich did on this research from the early 80s. It was incredibly influential and every time they tried to replicate it, anybody, no matter what, anywhere, their ability to replicate it went down and down and down with what they called regression toward the mean regression to the mean. Anyway, long story short, by the end of it, every single person on the story was like, I have no way to explain this. <laughs> it might as well be like wizards or the ether. Like we don't, we don't understand this, but it's a, it's a mind blowing story. Um, and it's told, it's a very complicated story that I could, even my relating it to you here will probably make no sense, but they do a lot of that, you know, like all great storytelling, you're telling a story about something that's already happened. You know how it turns out and you know when to pause and you know when to point. But if you were making up that story on the fly, you might not know. So, so what's the important second part of this? He, he takes it and turns it. <laughs> the, he put in the next pointing arrow is to talking about what's next for, for them and for the show. Um, in this case, in talking about uh, this first pointing arrow of uh, finding this, this, uh, making this program idea that he liked, he says, I felt like I was living in the story I'm telling you now. I periodically bump into these pointing arrows, but I could never predict when they'd appear or where they'd lead. So the next pointing arrow sent him to Carl Witch. But... I think sometimes when we buy notebooks and when we do mind maps for three days, um, when we do all of those kinds of things that we like to be silly and joke about because we do it, all do it all the time, especially me, uh, I think there's somewhere inside of us where we're looking for what the pointing arrow is. Sometimes we get good at learning where the pointing arrows are hidden. And other times we get so stuck on a certain kind of thinking that a pointing arrow could hit us over the head and we wouldn't realize it right? To, to get in that creative state of mind. Again, this is to go back to that wonderful John Cleese video about creativity. You have to get into this generative state of mind where it's okay for things to be silly and it's okay uh, for things to be different. In fact, they have to be different. And you don't get into that state of mind when your gut's constantly churning. It might be when you're completely tired and, and, and just overworked and ready to give up that you try something. You piss on a spark plug. Is that Red Dawn? That's Red Dawn, right? You piss on a spark plug and something happens. I'm sorry. I have so much to say about this. I don't want to go on and on. But there's See, that's just what I told you. We do the, do the sponsor and then you, you would will. have the, you know, the rest of the thing would have just been open, open field. Yeah. Blue sky. Well, no, we need to, I don't want to go on all day about it. But, but so the two important parts there that I like, the, I mean, there's so many parts there, but the gut churn and, and, the, and the sign, the, the pointing arrow. Um, I'm sitting here looking at this animated GIF, which is making me feel a little bit epileptic but um i can't handle blinking lights like i used to dan no i know something i don't think i can even go to disney no i don't go there do you know how hard that is on my bunions (laughs) no how hard is it well they're all bony is what they are (laughs) okay i got a bone overgrowth Mm, it's the only place where i get anything like a bone anymore wow yeah i had to get prescription shoes Can I tell you about something I like? I would love to hear this. Have you heard about this thing called Squarespace? I, I yes, I, I have from, heard a little bit about that. I'm familiar with that. I was uh, I was uh, uh, Van Hooted on uh, Twitter last week, and someone said, "So, uh, what is the meaning of uh, uh, <laughs> uh, F's and B's?" So give them the F's and B's, Dan, or as we like to say in the business, what are the features and benefits? We like features. to get the F's and B's out of the way so we can talk about the sexy. What are the F's and B's on Squarespace.com? Okay, let me, let me say this in just one way so that you can you. remember. Let me just <laughs> tell you something you remember. Okay. Okay? One thing. One thing. Plastic. 
Squarespace is everything you need to create an exceptional website. Notice I did not say blog. Notice I did not say portfolio site. Notice I was just I, noticing that. You didn't okay. say blog or portfolio I did not site. say those things. It can do those things. It can do more. Any kind of website you want to make, it will do that. That's, that's all you need to know. And you need to know about squarespace.com, of course. But we have a special URL that you can go to to support the show. But we don't want to say that yet. We want to tell you more about it. <laughs> you're you're about to you're about to fall in, in Ryan's eyes. I think we well, should go to squarespace.com slash back to work. Back to work for one of these sites. This has always been true of squarespace.com. It's great. It's solid. It's uh, it's got everything. Pretty much everything that I think an ordinary person would need built in. Now let, let me just I'm understand my words. I'm I, parsing my words. When I go to squarespace.com, I there's something I download and then I get put it on my web server and then it it is that how that works. Sure, it sure seems like it, right? You got to go in. You have to get a thing. Dan, can I ask you a question? And then I have to put, do I, is it Rails? Is it PHP that I need to install? I have to have a hosting account somewhere. Dan, can I blow your mind by saying it's an entirely hosted service? You go in and you sign up for this, okay? And you're, okay, you're going to have a site. You're going to have a site literally in minutes that you can start adding stuff to. Uh, you do not have to, there is no download required. There's not even a credit card required. And here's the thing. Squarespace has always been a great place to go. Now there is a new product. Uh, I think of it as a new product. It's not an iteration. Squarespace 6 is the new version of Squarespace. And brother, is it ever swell to use. And uh, right now, like I say, you go to squarespace.com slash back to work. You can sign up for a free account. I'll try it for free for, I believe, uh, two weeks. Is that correct? Uh, 14 days is the okay. preferred uh, nomenclature. Okay. Is that uh, metric or imperial? Seriously, you can't do diplomatic relations with England. What, yeah, you know, I don't know what I'm saying? What that means. Anyway, uh, so you go there. And now, now here's the deal. Squarespace 6. This is a very, very uh, sexy and exciting new thing that makes it really easy to build gorgeous graphical pages. Hey, you know what? I, I think I, I know from the internet. I know one of the guys that worked on the, uh, on the layout engine. I realized. You, know that? you ever seen that bi uh, binary bonsai site? Oh, yeah. Binary bo uh, bonsai. Bonsai. You know, bonsai. Michael, Michael, right, right. Who works at Squarespace? Worked on the layout engine. Boom. Ah, did you know that? I did I not. Know, I did the show. Not know so that. shame on him. But uh, wow. I, like that I love that site, the Kubrick site. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, lay layout engine stuff is amazing. You're basically just dragging little blocks around and putting them on a page. No worrying about how the float works, whether you're going to get the columns right. You just put all this stuff in, and it just goes. And uh, in our very quick call before the show, we thought we'd talk about just a couple. Actually, are going to do this for 45 minutes today. A couple of our quick favorite new things in Squarespace six. You, uh, you like the bookmarklet, is that correct? The bookmarklet is probably, for me, especially, and I will admit this, coming from a Tumblr-ish blog to, you know, because that's what I do with, a lot with Big Week is I'm posting links. I don't write a lot of, uh, as you would say, literally unique content there. It's right. comments about links. It's, it's, it, that's primarily what I do with it. So... When I wanted to take this to Squarespace, that was my initial, well, what, what can a bookmarklet do? Does it have a bookmarklet? Because, you know, some do, but it's rudimentary. The support that the Squarespace folks have put in to their bookmarklet and what you can do with it, uh, it's, it's, it's really great. And I'm, it's one of those things where as soon as you spend a little bit of time with it, like, for example... Let's say you go to a website and you're, you want to create a, a link to that page or you want, you're writing an article and you want, you, what you do is you go there, you select some text and then you hit the little bookmarklet. 
Squarespace, their book market, it's smart enough to say, oh, well, he selected some text. I'll go ahead and create a, 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 a text post. I'll have this thing already linked and formatted as a block quote. And then you don't have to worry, like, well, do I, what if I go up and I want to have some text before it? You just do it and start typing. It knows what you're doing. It knows that there's a block quote. It's all, all WYSIWYG. WYSIWYG stuff. It's great. Well, what if you don't want it to be WYSIWYG? Well, then you can go and you can click the little plus and add a block of your own. You can add a text block. You can add a markdown block. You can have an embed block where you can put whatever you want, like a YouTube video. Or it. And here's what's really cool is when you want to put an image in there, you click image and you can just drag and drop an image right on the little plus. Or you can hit the little down arrow and find the image on your local machine. Or if you want, when you do that, instead you can just put a little HTTP and it will go to the page and it will find an image on that page and it will embed it right in your post. And you don't have to like download it to your desktop and then remember to delete it when you're done uploading. No, it just does all of that stuff for you. You can have it create an automatic light box. So if it's like a detailed image, it can, you know, it'll automatically make the thumbnail that's that, that, that links to in the light, all of this stuff that you could possibly ever want to do. It's done. And the, just the embed thing um, is, I think something that's still developing, but it's already super clever, which is if you drag an embed in, and again, it's all drag and drop. When I say everything, it's pretty much all drag and drop if you're not typing letters, but you can drag in an embed and to the extent possible, there are some neat services that can figure this out. There are things like Embedly. I've got a thing for Chrome that'll do this, but to the extent possible, it'll figure out whatever you link to, if it is embeddable, it will make it embeddable. If you link to a tweet, I believe, if you link to a tweet, it will make it, it'll drop in an embedded version of that tweet. If you link to a YouTube video, it'll drop that in and so forth. Uh, but that, that's, some, that's some pretty smart uh, technology. Yeah. Now, now you may say to yourself, okay, well, it has all this stuff that's really great. How is this different from stuff like Tumblr? I love Tumblr. I use Tumblr like dozens of times a day. But in order for me to be able to do stuff like add an ad hoc image to a text post, I have to hack it with this evil thing called Missing E. I'm not ragging on Tumblr, but I am saying <laughs> it does not like Missing E. And that's the only thing I've been able to do to like easily add an image without having to do a lot of you know, crazy magic. It's a total hack. In this case, there, there's no hack here. Now, now tell me the other sexy thing about the bookmarklet, though. This is this is something I've complained about in the past. You've complained about in the past, and uh, tell You're me. You're talking about the external external link. Yeah. Thing? Okay. Yeah. So, the way that typically when you're creating a link, you are there's two kind. The way I think of it, there's two kinds of things that I'm going to post. Either one of them is something that I'm writing that I want people to come on over and see and link to a post, if you will. And the other is I'm creating a link where I'm I'm saying. Here is an interesting article. It's uh, this thing Jad Abramrod wrote, and I want you to go and read that. And I don't, you know, I, I want that to show up in my RSS feed. And yes, if you're browsing the site, which you should do because it's beautiful, then you should you should see the link there. But when you click on the title or when you click on that RSS feed link, it should take you to that thing that Jad wrote. It shouldn't take you to my site where you then have to click yet another link to get there. And they've added this. This is all built in there right under the options. You just check the little thing that says external link. And it says the title of this post should link to the source URL. It does link to that. It will automatically propagate the source URL for you. And it works just the way that you want it to work in your RSS feed and on your site and everything. And you can still link people to that little post that you wrote with the block quote in it because there is a permalink for that too. I got, I've got, a, I've got, a, I've kind of bitched about this before. I've got a little bit of a pet peeve about that. I know sometimes it's a technical constraint, but a lot of times it's just a traffic driver, unfortunately. Some sites that could do it otherwise, 
Uh, if you look at somebody like anybody who's using Delicious for their links gets what you're describing, which yeah. is that you click on the H, you, you look, click on the link at the top and it goes to the page. Uh, our friend Marker does this. Our friend John Gruber does this. A lot of people don't because they're, you know, they're doing They want you to, make, for some yeah. reason, they want you to go bad. to their site bad. and then I, I, go off their site. Well, it's, I have to be honest. It's one of the things where like, it's, it's one of among probably five or six factors that I really look at and whether I stay with somebody personally. Uh, if, if it clicks to go to your page and then it's kind of about a link and you put the link at the bottom, that's a paddling. And in this case, you click on one little tick box that says, uh, what does it say? Uh, external, external link? Is that what it is? Yeah, external link. And so you can make, and then again, we'll get into this more next week when I start uh, telling you about, I'll tell you in a minute about what we're doing starting next week. But uh, you can then go and like embed this as a blog somewhere inside your site, right? You can just go in and drag this. Is this something where you just drop in a side rail? No, you can drop it literally anywhere you want and make it any width you want. You want three things across the page, drag it in. It's no problem. So quickly, the other thing, I have to sneeze again. I can't believe this damn Oh my gosh. During this sponsor? Ah. What, did you mute it off? Yeah, I got to make a mute button. Um, you just throw a little dish towel over the over the mic. I got a dish towel. Yeah, you do that. How would that work? You just toss it, toss it over the mic. Radio Lab, radio. Are we on? Radio Lab, radio. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that. When we're done here, I'm gonna make a Radio Lab. Uh, we call it a stinger. You call it a beeper. What do you call it? A ping a ping pong. What do you call it? Could be a stinger. Could be a teaser. Could, could be, be a bumper. Could be a jingle. Uh, hmm. 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 You got to get Ted. Ted. Ted's the master of all that stuff. Ted is the master of that stuff. Here's the one I'm going to mention. And I, I'm, I'm tempted to just go do a screen grab just to show you what this little thing looks like. When you want to add a block to a page, you hit a thing. And a block is any bunch of stuff. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a molecule of coolness. Hmm. And uh, you drag it onto the page, put it anywhere you want. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Um, I, I'll go ahead and say what we're doing for next week or starting next week and for the month of August, I'm, I am rebuilding MerlinMan.com from scratch because at, at this point I've screwed it up so much with neglect and stupid. I've actually screwed up my navigation now. I'm just done with it. I'm done. I'm, I'm moving on and I'm doing it all in Squarespace 6. And so uh, for the next four weeks, starting next week, we're going to be doing, God, this is going to be so much work. Uh, I'm going to have some screencasts showing you how I've gutted it and remade it from scratch. Okay. One thing is nice to have on a site, a cool about page, right? Um, you can make the about page from hell with Squarespace 6. You can stuff like drag in a map, right? It's got its own little built-in beautiful dingus where you drag in and you add a location and you get a little map right on the page. You can drag in stuff like, like Dan said, you can grab four images and just toss it into uh, the posting mechanism and it'll create a slideshow or a slider. So you could say, hey, here's four pictures of me when I was a kid. Here's my last five blog entries. Here's my, uh, my last toot my, from my Twitter tweets on my internet tweet. You could, do, you could make this beautiful page in, in a wonderful grid design, which I, I tend to really like. You could post links to other sections of the site that have a graphic for that site built right in. You'll see all of this starting next week. But it's the kind of thing where this used to be... And again, there's one thing we have to say here, which is there's not... None of these things are impossible to do by going somewhere else, but there are, I dare say, very few places that put it all together this well with this much polish and with this much uh, solidness. You know what I mean? Like the site, it's, it's a great site. And we'd like you to go there, squarespace.com slash back to work. If you sign up for a, a year or more, you get a free domain name. So we tested this. You go in and you sign up for a year or two years. You can be from zero to full website with your new domain in four and a half minutes in my case. That's right. And on top of it, so you're going to get all these big discounts. You're getting a bigger discount by using the offer code. Oh, what is this month? Oh, yeah. 
Africa for this month, your show, one word, because it's Dan's show. <laughs> but I promise to keep this one shorter. Yeah. Um, That's and, it. Uh, We're done. It's, Wrap it up. Yeah, we are. We are. There's a lot in there. It's There's like it's like this Jed Admiral dealy Bob. What is that thing where you open something up and then inside it's actually more complicated and you open that up, it's more complicated? A woman. Okay. And so uh, you go to squarespace.com slash back to work and the offer code uh, is uh, your show. Uh, please come back next week. And, you know, listen, here's the thing. Go try this out. It doesn't, there's no, you just go in, you just go try it out. You don't need a credit card or anything. Check it out. Just see what we're talking about here. Just to go, ooh, ah, you know, just go give it a shot and, and you might really like it. Uh, a lot of people are moving over. Uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, squarespace.com slash back to work. Thank you very much. All right. We uh, are very grateful to Squarespace for supporting 5 by 5 and back to work. I think I'm sicker than when the show started. You there. actually think, are sounding worse and worse and worse as this is. Going. Can you tell? Can you tell from the way I sound? Is do you think it might be an allergy, or do you think I definitely have a cold? Is it more? Are you sniffling and sneezing, and like, is your nose and eyes irritated, or is it just stuffing up? I am stuffed up and I'm sneezing a lot. Do I do I sound congested? Yeah. Don't I usually sound more mellifluous? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's my word I was going to use for sure. Do you, do, do, usually a cold, here's the big way you can tell if it's allergies or a cold. If yeah. it's a cold, it will have a progression to it. And it, the order might vary, but usually it's like, well, boy, I have a sore throat. Oh man, my nose is running. I feel a cough coming on. Sore throat, and, that's the one. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. But if you're like, wow, my eyes are irritated and I'm stuffed up and I'm congested and now my nose is running and I'm coughing and it's all at once, allergies. That's not a hard and fast rule though, Marilyn. I am hard and fast. Hard and fast. Yeah. Yeah. No, not not me. I got bunions. Do you really? And and false teeth. I don't have bunions. I have many, many signs of aging. I'm I'm getting the errant hairs. That's what I don't like. Oh, I don't. This is... The errant hairs. I have mm. one. I have one pop up the other day. One. I'm getting them in real unusual places. It's it's very suspicious. And I had one. I have this one hair that I get sometimes that's about uh, an inch and a half below my eye. And if I don't take care of it, it gets into my field of vision, which is very distracting. Huh. Yeah. So I had to take it out. I, had, I started out trying to pull it out with my fingernails. And I thought I had it five different times. Can you imagine how painful that was thinking I hit it? Because when you hit it, you know it, right? I guess. And I looked and I didn't have it. So I had to get tweezers. And I actually pulled my skin. It looked, it looked uh, I made a hillock of skin. Pulling on this thing it was that strong. <laughs> I don't. That's stronger than I am, Dan. I, think I need to lay down. You think this is what people tune into the show to listen to, or this show? Yeah, I'm this sure. one. Yeah, yeah. That's why they're here. Okay. All right. Well. <sighs> okay. So listen. This doesn't have to go on much longer. Just a reminder here: we're talking about uh, hour three of uh, Abramrodathon. Now, the surprise thing, I know I'm jumping ahead, is that Uh, we uh, actually, you did an interview with him that we're going to play coming up right now, right next, right? I talked to him once. Did you really? Yeah, everybody's met him. Yeah. Okay. Actually, uh, ask me in the after dark. I can't can't talk about it here because I'd be really obnoxious, but I told you. Right. Uh, Not like the rest of the show. I told you the thing, right? Mm, No. I never told you the thing. Mm-mm. Okay. We'll do it after, um, I guess. Yeah. After dark. After dark. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. Uh, we were talking about an article in uh, transom.org, which is one of those squirrely public radio things. And it's called uh, an article by Jed Abenrod of Radio Lab called The Terrors and Occasional Virtues of Not Knowing What You're Doing. And I think it's just terrific. We can basically cancel the show because it covers pretty much everything I want to talk about. Now, let's jump to this, this one section here. Um, 
and and uh, this is the the second major section of the article here, and he's talking about change. Okay, so ah, it turns out, right? This is really all about change. It's all about these following these arrows. It's about your gut being wrenched and. Like we're so fond of saying, like your gut never really stops being wrenched. It just gets wrenched about new and scarier stuff, right? When you really arrive, when you become a success, all you really do is start disappointing more interesting people. That's it. Welcome. Welcome to success. Here's your BMW. <laughs> and I think that's the sit and you're just being scrutinized by more people in some cases, right? And, you know, <laughs> it's that's just how it is. And uh so he's talking about change here and, and the need for more change. And, and I mean, how great is that? So many of us, we reach a little bit of some amount of success and immediately dive straight into like the worst conceivable thing that we could do, which is getting more and more dug in on that one little kind of foothold that we got because we were comfortable there. We took our first step off the ground. We grabbed the rock. We grabbed the rock analogy and we stuck our foot into the metaphor hole. And then pretty soon we said, okay, now this is really, really it. And then we stick there until rocks fall on us. Uh, actually, I was about to do a Brave spoiler, and I stopped right there. Falling rocks, that's all I'm saying. Have you seen Brave? No. We finally made it all the way through yesterday. Made it all the way through. We Is that, leave- that's in the theater? Oh, yeah. We, 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 like you we had tried it, before and you had to walk out? We at Pixar. We had to leave twice in the first 20 minutes, and then so we just left because it, it had some sick, scary scenes. Oh, it. leaving because of the scary stuff. Oh, yeah, it's Big Bear. Big Bear. It's a sweet movie, though. It's a sweet movie. How do you recognize change? In talking about how Jad Abenrod recognizes change, and, and again, this is all hindsight, right? I mean, it's, a, <laughs> it's fine for Jad. That's pretty good. Um, how do you recognize change? He says two things. Um, get comfortable with the idea that you won't know what is good until it's already happened. And number two, you'll have to selectively tune out listeners. The how dare you instinct is strong in public radio <laughs> listeners, and you just have to ignore it. Here is your laurel. I officially worship you. <laughs> and I'm one of them. I'm one of the whiny people, right? But again, like how many of the best things you've done were because like somebody, somebody told you that the thing that you thought was your really good thing was the thing you should stop doing. I don't know. Uh, we, you know. Let's stick to the first one for a minute. Get comfortable. This is it. This is it. This is what it all comes down to. Get comfortable with the idea that you won't know what is good until it's already happened. Wow. That really, that's great for a, a podcast that is, that is nominally about work and bats. <laughs> no, no. That probably sounds really obvious. Yeah. But when you are in, when you are deep into that funk and you're, and you're feeling real bad about where stuff is going that monkey mind, that lizard brain, like just takes over. The monkey starts chattering and the lizard starts whatever lizards do, sticking their little forked tongue out, I guess. The lizard brain, the part that makes you want to survive. You stop, you stop thinking about the idea of change. You start thinking about something that you can understand rather than something that might be really great. And so, again, we, we, we lose track of the kind of... Uh, I keep using that word generative because that's, that's the word that Twilight Tharp uses in the creative habit. But the, what, I'm, what I'm trying to look for here is I don't think people make that much great stuff when they're stressed out and on deadline and under the gun unless that being under the gun makes them drop all the defenses that made them say no to a million different things and makes them squeeze out like one really great thing that they might never have made before. You, you know, your mileage may vary in all of these things. But, you know... I think that thinking is great for a lot of things, but thinking is not always that great for making stuff. Thinking gets in the way of making stuff because we think we can think ourselves 
in, into or out of whatever needs to be gotten into or out of. And that thinking needs to be modal in some ways. That thinking, if you do too much of that thinking, especially on the front end, um, excuse me, I mean, beyond the front end, thinking a little bit at first is great. But if, you, if all you do is think about it and all you do is cogitate about what to do first and what to do second, and oh, now that I thought about what to do second, I have to go back and think differently about what to do first, that thinking, thinking, thinking gets in the way. In this case of this gentleman, he goes out and he just starts pushing out some audio. A bunch of it he doesn't like and he is frankly embarrassed about. But somehow he eventually arrived at something that he never in a million years thought he would arrive at and he arrived at it by accident. This concept that we uh, do not have time to go into today Concept, uh, what's the dude's name who came up with this? Um, is it Kaufman? Was that the guy? The uh, Stephen Berlin Johnson has talked about this. The notion of the adjacent possible. Have you ever heard of this? Dave? I have not heard Just of that one. Article. Usually Stu- you, you test me with stuff like this. And, you know, you've heard of that, right? And, and, right. Yeah. You ever had a Hertz donut? No. Here's a grown man naked. Uh, we don't have time to go into the adjacent possible. Okay. But uh, if I was going to try and misunderstand it quickly, it would be to say that you know all creativity in some ways comes from these seemingly unrelated things that are actually kind of sitting near each other, right? And Stephen Berlin Johnson goes into his typically like uh, B plus, uh, you know, cogitating about this kind of stuff. He's a really smart guy. He's 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 he's, you know what? I'm not going to talk about pundits. It gets me in trouble, but. Uh, that's what he's saying here, I think, is, is you know, and, and to, to go back in the stack just a little bit, I, I, I'm guessing, I, I'd love to talk to him about this someday, but I'm guessing Jed Abumrad never sat there and went, okay, well, here's all the tools at my disposal. I know I know how to do all these things. Like, what are all the different angles I can take this from? I'll bet you today that's the kind of thing they think about all the time because they know they won't die. They know that they're, they're not going to be eaten alive. And so when they talk about the show and put up all these post-it notes, there's probably much more of a sense of openness which is what keeps the show good, right? It, you hopefully keep it from being formulaic. But you do have to be somewhat relaxed about that and not gut-wrenched the entire time. If that works for you, that's really great. But in order to discover change, in order to keep discovering the next set of those arrows um, pointing in the right direction, I, I think it really, getting beyond the expertise and experience part, it also takes a certain kind of practiced eye to look beyond whatever the thing is that's freaking you out right now or stressing you out right now or making you think that you are constrained by constantly staying at the level of that first foothold. That's a lot of information, but does that kind of make sense? It does make sense. Kind of. Kind of. Um, That's a heavy duty one. Let's say in almost everything you do, whatever that is, uh, you start out, Let's go back to, well, we can skip the parenting, I guess, because people hate that. But in almost everything that you do, you start out having no idea what you're doing you keep having very little idea what you're doing. Then a horrible thing happens, which is that you think you know what you're doing for a while and then get your ass handed to you. <laughs> but then something happens, you pissed on the right spark plug and for reasons you can't explain, one day things got better or you didn't lose one day. Let's put it that way. Again, sorry, but with the kid stuff, the, the example that I always come up with, and I think this is true for anybody who's been a parent, your kid cries and cries and cries and cries. And when your kid cries, for so many reasons, you wish they'd stop crying. Yes, you want them to be happy, but you also just want to not hear crying for a while. And so you rock them, you walk them, you do all this stuff. You try all these different things. You read books, you do swaddling, you do you know, that one really annoying guy with the S's, which actually all are really good. Swaddling and shushing, and you try all these things. And eventually one thing happens. With my daughter, I discovered if I walked very slowly and, and with her against my chest, and I very lightly patted her behind to the tune of We Will Rock You by, by Queen, <laughs> she would go to sleep in like three minutes. 
it was mind blowing. And I was like, I am literally the greatest father in the world because I have taken the adjacent possible of my daughter's butt and queen and made something very special because now she can sleep. And it worked for exactly two days. And then the third day I tried it, she was furious. She was so mad. <laughs> so I had to move beyond that. Right. But the meta process <laughs> there is to learn that it's not about any one thing that's going to be successful. It's about trying new stuff and being open to like looking for the thing that's not working. Right now, in retrospect, I bet that's what Jada Omar was kind of thinking to find that change. Well, sometimes that change means just doing something real stupid for a while until you find out something that does work. Um, and again, he found that by accident here. But I don't want to go too negative here, but I have to at least touch on the second part of the how dare you instinct. Or yeah. as what's it, Paul Ford says, why wasn't I consulted? Yes. There are so many voices that you are going to hear, some of them actually outside your head. There are so many voices you're going to hear about what you should be doing differently, what you're doing wrong, what you will never be capable of, what you will always suck at, and you've got to not listen to those voices. The voices, those are going to be loud voices that think they know everything about you. You know, I really believe this, that, that the people who constantly tell you what you shouldn't do are typically really good at not doing things. And that is a virus they are very happy to spread. There are people who just don't make stuff. There are people who don't do stuff. And they are more than happy to try to make the entire world be pulled down to their level of not making and not doing. Um, and I, I think that's something to watch out for. Because if you listen too much to all of those other voices, they'll eventually become your voice. And that's the voice that's going to be with you all the time. That's the voice you go to sleep with and it's the voice that you wake up with. And if you listen to it too much, it's going to drown out these little tiny voices. And the little tiny voices are like the little, little will of the wisps and brave, right? They're these little, little blue lights going, try this way, come this way, come this way, right? And those little magical blue lights are, are going to, or voices or however you want to think of it, you're only going to hear that if you're not being drowned out by all the things that say you're not even worthy of having your own wisp. Oh, man. And I think that's a, those are very, very loud voices. And especially when you make stuff for the internet, you know, like it's, it's just always there. It's a constant din of people telling you what you should be beside yourself. And that's the worst advice in the world. And I'm not saying I have, there's no recipe here for becoming as successful as this very, very nice and talented man. But I can tell you what won't get you there, which is constantly thinking that you are stuck at that first level because of all these voices telling you that you're wrong, even if that's your own. Because the ironic part of all that is, is that all those other voices, even if you get great at not listening to them and just saying, screw you, and I'm not saying you should say that, but one way you might think of it is, thank you. Thank you for your note. <laughs> it's something I'm happy that you share with me. I will, I will think about that. But that doesn't mean that you just got directions from the entire universe on what to do differently. Because that eventually becomes that voice in your head and you stop noticing those little signs. I'm kind of repeating myself, but I, I think there's just so much to take away from this article. If you're feeling super hung up about making stuff, you know, and you, you're one of those that's fine for Merlin sort of folks, well, first of all, you should buy one of those beautiful t-shirts. But if you are one of those sort of people that goes, oh, well, of course, Jed Abumrod's popular. He has a popular public radio show. Of course he does. He has a pub popular public radio show. You know, you, you start become Johnny Tautology, you know, and that's no fun. Um... You start out with nothing. You don't know anything. Eventually, you maybe make something. And somewhere in the middle, nobody in the whole goddamn world is responsible for it but you. And it's, it's, you're going to have to find your own process for making that stuff happen. Uh, going and figuring out how Jad Abumrad and Robert Kurlwich use Post-it notes is not going to help you. Going out and trying to copy the success of other people is not going to help you. What, what is going to help you is accepting that a lot of this is Ragnarok. Uh, a lot of this is, uh, is, is Pangea, perhaps. <laughs> it's going to be the end of the beginning. It's going to be chaos. And some days you're not going to know which is which. 
Um, but being open to that idea that those signs are out there and that that change is actually... Here's the thing. Last thing. Um, I think sometimes we can think ourselves into doing pretty much nothing. Why? Because we think there's so many things that we have to do that we can't do one thing. We think that there's so many things that we're doing badly that we can't do one thing well. There's so many things that we've failed at in the past that there's no chance in the world that we're ever going to do anything cool again. And I think, I think that's maybe not the smartest thing in the world. And so what do you do? You do nothing. You sit on your butt and think about why everything you have is the way it is and how it's kind of deserved and kind of not deserved and the world's done all these things to you. And my feeling on this is I know some very talented people who get stuck in this. Uh, I know some untalented people like me that gets like me that get stuck in this. But here's what you do. You move. You try something different. Any kind, almost any kind of movement is better than not moving. Yeah. And that's what this is. When you go out and you dick around with some different sounds and try to make something, even if you don't know what you're making yet, see also some 70 previous episodes of this show, <laughs> it'll start to take its own shape. You won't need to worry about who you should sound like because you're going to sound like you doing that thing. And, but you've got to do something. If you find you could do all the mind mapping you want. You could buy all the notebooks you want. You can do all that great stuff that makes us feel like we're being very effective as we churn our wheels, not actually moving, right? The wheels just spin in the mud. How do you get out of that? Well, you get out of that by saying, I got to make something. I got to move some direction. Any change, any attempt at change is going to be better than nothing because you're probably not going to die. And anyway, that's a lot of stuff. So what do you do next, he says? And what's amazing in that final section is he talks so much about doing stuff that has absolutely nothing with the current success of the show. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what are we going to do differently? We're going to widen the subjects that we cover. What do we decide? B, we're going to try to uh, reimagine, reimagine uh, ourselves uh, collaborating promiscuously, doing things like remixes and so forth. Ready for this one? What is the one thing that makes Radiolab Radiolab in a lot of ways? The crazy-ass editing. And he says, finally, we, we decided the ultimate experiment might be to take our show, which is so heavily edited that it looks like this, and then the world's craziest um, Pro Tools uh, screen grab, and then just go into a studio and kind of let it, let the freak flag unfurl, which is so crazy. It's why you look nice today. It used to be so hard for us live because we kept thinking we either had to do jokey bits or we had to like uh, replicate the way the show sounded, which was impossible. You know, the only way that show ever got less sucky live was to let it be what a live show should be. Right. And it got better. It was, I don't think it was ever as good as an average episode. Our average show wasn't as good as an average episode, but it got way better, I think. There's a bunch we didn't release. And I think that's what they're talking about here. I think we've, we've all discovered this. If you stay, I, I keep coming back to that idea of climbing the rock and being stuck at that first foothold. It's the first place you went that you didn't fall on your ass. And so you stay there. And that feels like security. But it's really not. You're actually not that far off the ground, but you actually aren't really all that high up either. Um, and so in the case of these guys, like they're going to keep evolving this and trying different things. It's not just a matter of going and starting a Facebook account. They're fundamentally trying some very different things with a known and popular property. That may be fine for them, but uh, I'm looking forward to what they're doing. I'm grateful for what they've done. So I think that's probably enough. It's a lot. I sound a little sick. You do. You, you feel a little sick. Yeah. So transom.org. So thank you to Jed Emrod and to uh, Robert Krolwich for supporting uh, uh, really everything cool. They're good guys. Say more later. Is that good? You get anything out of that? The terrors and occasional virtues of not knowing what you're doing? <laughs> yeah. You ever had that feeling? Every day. 
not a day goes by. I had it 11 different times in the last hour and a half. No doubt. No. I'm not dead yet. No. No. You can't kill me. I'm already dead. Dead from allergies. You want to button this up? Yeah, I suppose we should. Yeah. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin Man. <laughs>